church everybody and if you're here for the first time special welcome to you we hope it's not the last time but that you feel the love of God in this place right from your very first time can I get an amen for that from all the regulars and uh, we're in a missus series called the church just wants my money of course we're taking on that oftentimes believed um, lie and uh, we are talking about money because money is an important issue in our lives And uh, money is going to, in many respects, call the shots for us. We talked about this last week as we kicked off this series. How many enjoyed last week's message? (laughs) Tepid, tepid response at best. I expect better next time. Uh, we talked about how either we're going to master our money or money is going to master us. And And I really am doing this series because I believe God cares about how we handle our money because God cares about us. God cares about us. And fundamentally, that is why we have to talk about money because money will be, if we allow it, a controlling influence in our lives. Master your money or money will master you. Who's calling the shots in your life? Is God your trust or is money your trust? And I think that there are people that, you know, they're sitting here today and, 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 and this is the deal for you. You don't even realize how much money might be calling the shots for you. You don't even realize it. You need, you need the word of God to come in and, and, and open your eyes to how money is supposed to be handled because it's a big part of our lives. I wonder how many people here today, you are stressed beyond measure because you don't know how you're going to pay certain bills in your life. And, and so what happens is when we're stressed, we make bad decisions. When we're stressed, we take it out on people that we live with, that we're married to, that we have to raise, or that raised us. And then we start to have relational conflict that's actually rooted in money. We don't even realize it. it doesn't even, we don't even connect the dots in our minds. I wonder how many people are, you know, you're addicted to something. There's, there's another controlling substance or influence in your life, and, and that controlling substance or influence in your life is actually an outlet. It's an escape from the reality that money is tight or you're constrained by all these budget concerns or you can't pay your bills or you're running a business and you're in over your head and you feel so overwhelmed that that drug or that addiction is like your escape from that harsh reality. And I think about how many people in America today that money is literally calling the shots, but the worst part about it is they don't even know that money is calling the shots. And that's why we're doing this series so that you can wake up 
You can wake up, you can open your eyes, you can see that God is not anti you having money. God is not about just taking your money and making sure that you live poor until you die so that you can go to heaven. That money ultimately can be a good thing in your life if you master it, if you call the shots and stop letting money call the shots in your life. Last weekend, we talked about a guy, he was called the rich young ruler, and uh, that's because he was young, he was rich, and he was a ruler. And, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't come up with very fancy names for people sometimes. It's just call them what they are. And he comes to Jesus and he says, what should I do to inherit eternal life? We talked about this last week. Jesus says, you know, the commandments, he tests him. He realizes that his heart, his heart is not aligned with God first. And it's actually money and wealth and income first. And when Jesus challenges that part of his heart, he walks away sad. And Jesus says that it's hard for the rich. It's hard for the rich to what? To enter the kingdom of heaven. It's hard for people who let money call the shots in their lives to follow God and to trust God and ultimately to see God. And, and some of you may have left last weekend. Some of you may have walked out the door last weekend uh, thinking that the big idea of the message was don't have money. Like that's the big idea. And, and, and if you left with that impression, I want you to know that you left with the wrong impression. You didn't, you didn't leave with the message because here's, here's the deal. We're going to be in another passage of scripture that comes shortly after Jesus' interaction with the rich young ruler today. Luke 18 is where the rich young ruler is. Luke 19 is where we're going to be in another passage of scripture. And we're going to look at another rich man who knew how to have money. And he actually does enter the kingdom of heaven. And no, he doesn't give everything away. And Jesus commends him and says, this is what having money in the kingdom should look like. So every weekend when I start my message, I usually ask you to do two things. I usually ask you to open your Bibles and take out your bulletins and open the notes. I want you not to do that right now. Don't do that right now because I want to. I want to put. I want to give you a little pop quiz, a little test. I want to ask you a question, and, and I want to put a passage of scripture that's going to come from Luke chapter 19 up on the screen, and then I want you to answer a question for me. So uh, we're going to put this on the screen. These are the words of Jesus. Here's what Jesus says. He says, "I tell you that to everyone who has." More will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let me ask you a question, Waters Church. What is Jesus talking about? To everyone who has what? Well, you're in church, right? And the answer in church is always faith. It must be faith. To everyone who has faith, more faith will be given. That's not the answer. Surely Jesus is saying devotion. To everyone who has devotion, more devotion will be given. Okay, first of all, that doesn't even make sense. So it's not that answer. And then some of you are thinking, I know what the answer is. Of course I know what the answer is. It's love. It's love. Because the Christian message is basically just love, 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 love. In the words of the great theologian John Lennon, all we need is love. Right? And so it's everyone who has love, more love will be given. Nope, that's not the answer either. What is Jesus talking about? Does anybody want to take a shot? Anybody brave enough at the first service on Sunday morning to take a shot at this one? Money. Money. Oh, wow. I don't even know if I have to preach anymore. There were so many of you who said it. He's talking about money. Let's put, a, let's put the passage up on the screen again. This is Luke 19, 26. I tell you that to everyone who has money, more will be given. But from the one who has not money, what he has will be taken away. 
That's a crazy phrase coming from Jesus, right? Like some of you are twitching right now. You're like, what? Because you were taught that Jesus was a socialist. Yeah, you, you were taught that Jesus was like, yay, Bernie Sanders. Because that's what it's really about. That's what it means to be a Christian. Take your money and give it to people who don't have money. That's what you're supposed to do. I got news for you. Jesus was not a socialist. And Jesus was not a capitalist either, so let's not go there. But Jesus was not all about just giving your money away to people who need money. That's not actually what he says. Here's, here's what you've been taught. You've been taught that it's wrong to have money, that if you have a lot of money, you should feel guilty about having money. And that's just not what the Bible teaches. No, actually, I think that Jesus was pro you having money. I think he was. I think we have to understand that we have a generous God. He's generous. Can anybody say amen to that? He knows that it's good to give good gifts to his children, and he is not against you having money. But here's, here's the idea that I want you to write down in your blanks. It's kind of, now you can take out your notes and, 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 uh, and fill in the blanks with me. But here's the big theme for this message. Having money is not wrong. But many people have money wrong. Like you, have, you can have a lot of money and still be a jerk, right? Does anybody know a couple of people like that, right? You can have money and still be stingy. Does anybody know someone who just does not know how to have money? I know, I know this one family, me and my wife, we know them. I'm not going to mention them by names because some of you might know them. They have so much money, and they live like paupers, and they're so cheap, and they just don't, you know, it's like, I don't understand what's wrong with you. Money is not supposed to make you miserly. Money should, in many ways, make you happy because you can give it away. You can share it. You can spend it on things that you enjoy. You can honor God with it, all these things. It's, it's not wrong to have money, but many people have money wrong. So my question for you today is, do you have money Wrong, because you have money or money has you. You master money or money masters you. Do you know how to have money? And we're going to look at a passage of scripture where Jesus teaches us how to have money. Luke chapter 19. Would you stand with me? Jesus has just left Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus, we know who he is, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. Remember that song? He was a rich man. Jesus comes to his house, and Zacchaeus is so enamored, so blown away by Jesus' grace and mercy that he says, Lord, up to half my goods I give to the poor, and if anybody's been defrauded by me, I give them four times back the amount. And he was a rich man who did not give up all his possessions to, every, to all the poor people. But Jesus said about that rich man, today salvation has come into this house. And then on the heels of that event, Jesus shares this incredible story. And let's look at it together. Luke 19, verse 11, here's what it says. As they heard these things, what things? That Jesus had just talked about Zacchaeus being a Christian because of how he handled his money. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. Can I get somebody to say immediately? He said, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country. This is the parable. A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas, one mina each, and said to them, engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him. And they sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to be our king. 
And when he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered those servants to whom he had given the money, that's what amina is, amina is amount of money, to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has made 10 more. He said to him, well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over 10 cities. And the second came saying, Lord, your mina has made five more. He said to him, and you're to be over five cities. Then another came saying, Lord, here's your mina, which I kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. This is where some of you are at with God. I was afraid of you. You are a severe man. You take what you do not deposit. You reap what you did not sow. He said, I'll condemn you with your own words. You wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at my coming I might have collected it with interest? And he said to those who stood by, check this out, what Jesus does, what Jesus says the noble man does. He says, take the mina from him, the one who doesn't have much, and give it to the one who has 10 minas. And they said to him, they were blown away. They were like, that doesn't seem right. They said, Lord, he already has 10. Like He has enough. And Jesus said, or the, the noble man says, who Jesus Jesus is really representing in this passage. It says, he says, I tell you that to everyone who has, this is the verse we just quoted, to everyone who has, more will be given, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But for those enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we humble ourselves before your word and we ask that you will speak to your people may your kingdom come in this room may your will be done in these next few moments may we hear you may we see jesus may we be changed teach us how to have money in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen have a seat god bless you the title of my message is how to have money how to have money don't let money have you have money don't let money be the controlling influence. Control your money. Okay. I got seven points. Seven. For those of you who know me well, I am the three-point sermon master, which means one thing. You ain't never getting out of here. Now, I'm going to go through these quick. Number one point. I know that I have money right. And that's, every point starts with, I have money right when, colon, and then the point will follow. So I have money right when, number one, when I manage it as God's servant. Okay, rule number one about your money. Rule number one about your money. It's not your money. It's not your money because when you die, somebody else will get it. And when they die, somebody else will get it. It's not yours. You are entrusted. Somebody say entrusted. You're entrusted for a short season. In the light of human history, 80 years, that's not very long, is it? 80 years if you're lucky. 90 years if you're willing to suffer through the last 10. <laughs> you get this amount of money, whatever amount that is. And the Bible teaches us this through this parable that Jesus saying, look, you think the kingdom is all about me coming and establishing like this political royal realm. No, no, no. Here's what he says. A nobleman went into a far country. This is verse 12. And he gave to his servants, calling 10 of his servants. Calling. I love that word because it's like, wait a second. You have to wake up to this reality. You have a calling to handle an amount of money. You do. Some of you have a calling to handle a lot of money. Some of you have a calling to handle not as much money. But you don't get to make the calling. 
I know some of you are going to say, yeah, but I, I earned so much. I worked so hard. I put myself through school. I'm a, I'm a hard worker. All right, I understand that, but you had somebody helping you get there. Nobody gets to where they are alone. Nobody. We all get a leg up. We all get somebody helping us. Some of you are like, well, yeah, no, I didn't have anybody. No. All right, yeah, but you did have oxygen all the way to where you got to today, right? That oxygen came from somewhere. That oxygen did not come from you. God gave that to you. Everything that you have is from God. When you learn this, this is so foundational to knowing how to handle money that now it's like, wait, this is not only my issue. I am doing this with God. God has entrusted me with the portion of his money. The Bible says in Psalm 24, verse 1, the earth is the whose? Is the Lord's. It's, it's his and the fullness thereof. It's his. Haggai 2.8 says, the silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the who? The government of the United States? No, they don't have any money. They owe a lot of money. The earth, the earth is the Lord's, the gold is the Lord's, the silver is the Lord's, and you have been called to manage a portion of God's possessions. And you don't have to sit there now and worry about your pile of gold compared to that person's pile of gold. Because God has determined that that's right for you. And I'm all for you taking your pile of gold and making it into a big pile of gold. We'll tell you how to do that. So that you can manage money well. Number two, if you're taking notes, I have money right when... I escaped the, the allure of the immediate. The allure of the immediate. Gotta have it, 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 gotta have it. Now, 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 right now, right, 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 right. Like that's every advertisement that you've ever heard in your life. And, and here's what Jesus says in this parable. He's like, look, here's, here's principle number two for money. Not only was it given to you by God, but look, look at uh, just for a second at verse 11. It gives us the point of the parable that Jesus shares. And the point of the parable is this. I love it when this happens in the Bible. He proceeded to tell a parable. Why? Because he was near to Jerusalem where he would die and, and be buried and rise again. And because they supposed, that's another way of saying they thought, they thought that the kingdom of God was to appear when? Say it, everybody. Immediately. In other words, they thought Jesus was going to come and rule and reign on the earth immediately. And Jesus says, no, that's not how it's going to work. Here's how it's going to work. A nobleman himself is going to go to a far country to heaven and receive a kingdom and then return. Notice the word far. It's a far country. In other words, if you're going to manage money well with God, you have got to plan long term. Plan long term. Escape the allure of the immediate. Okay, and, and this is so helpful. Every advertisement that you hear on the radio has got some product that is selling to you right now that if you don't buy it today, your life is going to be miserable for the rest of eternity. Everything on television, same thing. You gotta have it right now, you gotta have it right now. Today you could change your life. Today, 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 now, 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 now. The allure of the immediate. So we pay all this money for these immediately pleasures. We pay all this money because we're buying into all these messages that advertising companies, listen, are a business. They are in the business to make money off of selling you the idea that your life stinks until you buy what they're selling you. That's their business. 
and you gotta have it now. And you don't even have to turn on the radio and you don't even have to turn on the television and you don't even have to look at a magazine. It's in the windows of the stores that we walk by, that we pass by, that we drive by. I heard a story about a young pastor couple just starting out in ministry. And the lady came home one day, they were dirt poor, dirt poor. Lady came home one day with with a bag from an expensive department store and the husband kind of got a concerned look on his face and he said, what did you do? She said, well, I bought a dress. He said, you bought a dress? How much was that dress? She said, $500. He said, oh, $500, are you crazy? We don't have that kind of money. She said, you don't understand, I was walking by the window and the dress was on the mannequin and I heard Satan, he just kind of spoke into my head and he said, just try it on, it won't hurt to try it on. So I went into the dressing room and I tried it on and I looked in the mirror and, and wouldn't you know, Satan spoke to me again, he said, oh honey, it looks so good on you, just buy it, you deserve it. The husband said, don't you understand what you're supposed to say to Satan in those moments? You're supposed to say, get thee behind me, Satan. She said, I did, and then all he said was, oh, baby, it looks even better from the back. (laughs) Okay, that's not a real story. (laughs) But there are messages from Satan that we don't think is actually from Satan, but I think they're from Satan. Here's a message from Satan that's common in our culture, okay? Here's a message from Satan. Low, affordable, monthly payments. Anybody ever hear that one? Okay, captive audience. Here's another one. You could finish this one for me. No interest and no money down and no payments for a year. Can I get 18 months, anybody? I think the furniture stores are like 36 months. Like what? Can I just tell you the madness of this? It's hard enough to pay $1,500 for a couch when it's new. It's a heck of a lot harder to pay $1,500 for a couch that's three years old. (laughs) And for all the younger people in the audience who are buying into this lie from Satan, it is from Satan. He is a wonderful advertiser. They tell you no payments, no interest for 18 months, but guess what happens on month 18? Some of you might want to write this down. You have never been taught this because the schools don't teach you this. No, the schools don't teach you this. They They don't do a good job telling you how to handle money. Here's what they do. They add up all the interest over those 18 months that you should have paid, and they add that to the bill. Surprise! Sound good now? So let's do it again. It's hard enough to pay $1,500 for a couch today that's brand new. It's even harder to pay $2,250 for a couch that cost $1,500 years ago. Three years, $1,500, three years ago. In other words, you gotta look long-term. Don't fall for the allure of the right now, gotta have it or else your life is going to stink for all eternity. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 14, verse 8, in the Living Translation. The, fool, the, the wise man looks ahead. The wise man looks where, everybody? Ahead. I'm looking down the road financially. Here's another thing about looking long-term with your money. You're going to go through seasons where you take a dip financially. Don't freak out. Everybody experiences a dip financially. 
My wife and I were going through a very difficult financial time at one point in our lives. My mother and father were over our house and we were talking about our financial issue. And I'll never forget that the conversation we had, they talked to us about a time in their marriage where they seriously had a huge loss of money that was literally, I kid you not, about four times the amount that my wife and I had lost. And I looked at their life and I said, wow, it's pretty good. And, I, and I'll tell you something, just hearing the fact that they had gone through that and still came out on top and still came out okay gave, it was like soothing healing balm to my nerves to think, okay, this is not a short, this might be a short-term setback, but I got to think long-term and start doing small things now that will set me up for long-term financial success. Don't fall for the immediate. That includes not just advertising, but immediate shortfalls where you think, oh my gosh, I don't have enough money right now. Okay, it's just a season. Look ahead and start doing things now in the difficult season that will set you up for the long-term season. And, and if you read your Bible, you will find this out, that Satan is all about now, and God is always about think long-term. Garden of Eden, everybody. Anybody ever plant a garden? Anybody ever brave enough to plant a garden? I mean, it's New England. We get like three weeks to plant a garden. How many know what I'm talking about, right? And, and you got to think long-term about that garden, and that's exactly what God puts the man and the wife in. Here's a garden. I want you to think long-term. Satan comes along, and he says, have it now. That's, his, that's been his MO since the Garden of Eden. Eat it now. You won't surely die. No, not now, but later. When you fall for Satan's now, you suffer later. When you obey God in the now, you prosper later. Oh, that's good preaching right there. Don't fall for the lure of the immediate. And look at how Jesus teaches us to think. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, $1,500 couches that you're going to pay for over 18 months. But... Lay up treasures for yourselves. Where? In heaven. Anybody in heaven yet? No, but you're a citizen of heaven. You understand that this is what the Bible teaches God's people. You are citizens of where? Heaven. You're not an American first. You're not. And not if you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, you are a heavenite. You're on borrowed territory. You are not here permanently. This is not your home. You are passing through. Lay up treasures in heaven. Think, what's Jesus saying? Think long term. He's trying to teach us how to do money differently than the devil and the world tries to teach us how to do money. Okay, number three, number three. I have money right when I embrace, I love this, this point most of all, when I embrace being financially different than everybody else around me, than those around me. Okay. The Christian life is a different life. Now, you've all been taught in Sunday school or, you know, I don't know whatever religious upbringing you were taught about Christianity you were raised in, but you were always taught this, like, you know, Christians are different because Christians don't. You know, they don't do drugs, and they don't go to bad movies, and they don't wear shirts with swears on them, and that's the thing that Christians do, and Christians are nice people, and they go to church, and they sing songs, and they try to help their neighbor, and they're nice people, and they're always smiling, and that's what makes Christians different. No. No. Christians are different with how they handle their money. Christians are different with how they handle their resources. 
And this is something that you've got to start learning to take pride in. I'm going to be different financially. You know, anybody ever go to school and somebody made fun of you because of the shoes that you were wearing or the jacket that you were wearing? Like, how many remember members-only jackets? Remember members-only? I remember my mother got me, like, the fake members-only jacket. You know, it was like monitors only. I don't know what it said. It said something other than members. And it was so terrible. I felt so terrible about that jacket. I thought it was cool because it was almost like a members only. And I came home and I, Ma, everybody made fun of me over my monitors only jacket. And, 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 you know, a good mother, my mother was a good mother. And she said, hey, listen, listen, it's okay to be different. A bad mother goes out and buys the members only jacket just to appease those kids at school that really do not matter to my life right now. People in America do this all the time. They buy things they don't need with money they don't have to impress people who don't really care. And even if they do care, in 10 years, you won't care that they cared. Are you hearing me? This is, this is so important. Embrace being financially different. Look what the Bible says in the parable. It says his citizens, verse 14. Do not miss verse 14. His citizens, what? They hated him. They hated the Lord. They hated the nobleman. Okay, everybody pay attention. Most people hate God being in charge of their money. Most people hate the idea of giving money to the church. Non-Christians hate the idea that you are going to be held accountable financially to a God who created you. Most people. Christian, if you're going to do money right, get used to being in the money minority. Get used to people not understanding how you're doing money. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be different because I found out that if you are okay being different now, you won't mind being different later and you will start marching to the beat of a different drummer, the drummer that created you in the first place and he'll prosper you and he'll bless you and all those people that despise you won't matter one rip later on in life. Learn to be okay to be different. And here's, here's what I want you to learn how to do. Here's how you do money God's way. Three things in this order. Write them down in your notes. Give, save, live. Give, save, live. How does, how does the natural world do that order? Exactly, the opposite. Thank you. Gold star after the service. Everybody else does live. Then if possible, I'll put some money away. And then after all that, if I have anything to give, I'll give it away. How many know you never have any enough to give? And you rarely have enough to save. And God's words, God's principles are first give. Give the first to God. That's the tithe. Tithe is one-tenth. You give the first to God. You save. Here's what I do. Here's what I do. Here's what my family does. We give the first tenth to God. We give the second tenth to us. We do. One tenth of our income goes into savings. And then we have learned to live off of 80%. You're like, that's impossible. It's totally possible. It's totally possible. The reason why you don't think it's possible is because you've been indoctrinated into this world. You don't even realize it. 
This world, and particularly this company, this country, this country has indoctrinated its citizens to believe that debt is a good thing. We are, we are trained from college to think this way because nobody teaches us anything, so we just adopt whatever is sold to us in advertising. The first credit card that I ever signed up for, I signed up for outside of the mess hall of my Christian college. I was 18 years old. There was the credit card company. I was going to dinner, unsuspecting little 18-year-old boy, not a clue about money, and I signed up for a credit card. Do you know why I signed up for that credit card? Do you know why? You'll never believe this. They were giving away T-shirts. I said, what kind of benefactor is this? Are you from heaven? Free T-shirts? I'm a college student. Uh, Sign away. Signed up, got my social security, everything like, you know, they send me mailers. Guess what I did with those mailers that they sent me? I put them in my drawer and forgot that they sent me those mailers. They sent me a pin number for cash advances. I put that in my drawer too. Had no clue. Nobody ever taught me. I get to the end of my freshman year. I get a different kind of mail from the credit card company. I open it up. It says credit card balance $1,500. I'm like, hmm. Are they giving me $1,500? That's literally what went through my head. I'm not kidding you. It went through my head. I call up the credit card company. I'm saying, there's some $1,500 here. How do I spend that? They say, you owe us that. I say, I never used a credit card. It's been sitting in my drawer. Guess what? I didn't know how credit card works, but my roommate knew how credit card works. And he took my credit card and my PIN number. His mother was a crack addict. And he cash advanced $1,500 to pay her crack addiction. Never saw him again after I called the police that night. It was a wake-up call for me about the danger of credit. The danger. I thought credit was a good thing. No. I thought that was a good thing. No. Debt is dumb. Everybody say it with me. One, two, three. Debt is dumb. It's stupid. This is the system that we live in. We live in this system. We know we live in this system because our own country owes $20 trillion. I don't even think like that's even real. It's real. And we're trailing, oh, that's good, it's good. We'll go to the debt. You can pay it off little by little. No, 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 no. Learn how to give, learn how to save, and learn how to live on less than you have coming in. And, and, and the system is so warped, so skewed. You are trained to take out loans. You are trained to pay for things over time. You are trained so that you actually end up paying more for things than they were originally worth. And, and then you wonder why you don't have any money left. You haven't thought long-term and you bought into the immediate. And, and, and I remember in 2008 when the financial quote-unquote crisis happened. I say quote-unquote crisis because in 2009, people were still lining up to buy the latest cell phone. In 2008, when the financial crisis happened, all the stories came out about what the banks were doing. Guess what the banks were doing? Do we remember this? I remember this. I remember this for moments like this. The banks were making most of their money off of the people who had the least amount of money. And what does our president do? When, all, when, when it all fell out, when the rug was pulled out from underneath us, it was actually incredible what happened. A Republican president gave the banks billions of dollars. And then we said, let's vote for the little guy guy. Let's vote for the guy who's for the little guy. And he got in there and he gave the banks 
more billions of dollars. And at that moment in my life, that's when I said sayonara to hope in politics. Because they both did the exact same thing. They both bailed out the very people who poached you. And guess what they did it with? Your money. That's why all these stupid arguments that you people are having on Facebook over politics is really just nonsense. There's a system. And it's top down, and it ain't changing. The only way you can change it is when you stop living according to its dictates. And you start saying, I rebel against the American way of doing money. And I'm going to start doing it God's way and watch God start honoring you and blessing you and prospering you because he's going to be your father. <laughs> Give, save, live. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 21:20: The wise have wealth and luxury. Fools, finish it with me. Fools what? Spend whatever they get. If you're paycheck to paycheck, the Bible calls you a fool. Be blessed. <laughs> Next week, I'm going to tell you how to pay the government less. No, I'm serious. I'm going to do that. Number four, if you're taking notes, I have money right when I put money to work. I do not work for money. I put money to work. I do not work for money. So which is it for you? Are you putting money to work? Or are you always just trying to work for more and more and more and more money because you got so many bills that you got to pay? All right, here's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 19, verse 13, in the NIV. I love the NIV. It says that he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. And I love how the NIV translates this. It says, put this money to work. Love that translation. Put this money to work. You know that money can work for you? See, we have a great system. As bad as the country can be, we also have a good system. It's called investments. And you need to learn the difference between assets and liabilities. Okay, here, again, nobody's going to teach you this in high school, so let me teach you it. Some of you know this, just follow along and nod. An asset makes you money. A liability loses you money. Most people buy liabilities and they don't have the first clue what an asset is. An asset grows in value, a liability, what does a liability do? Decreases in value. Okay, so the new car you buy to pay for over time, asset or liability? Huge liability, huge. The stock of a very reputable company with a good long-term history of having an increase, is that an asset or liability? That's an asset. Over time, and you have to wait through the dips because again, everybody has those dips. Over time, that company can make you money. Little secret, actually it's not really a secret because if you check our books, you'll know this. Some of this building was built not with your money. It was built with the money that your money made. Yeah. We took some of the money for the building campaign. We put a very small percentage. Don't get worried. Don't get nervous. Put a very small percentage into a stock. That stock blew up. It probably blew up because we put the money into the stock. God knew it was his money. Amen. <laughs> Just kidding. But it made about $100,000. $100,000 of the money that you gave, I'm sorry, some of the money that you gave came in here for the building campaign, made $100,000. We put that $100,000 right into this building. Wow. Isn't that wonderful? Money makes money. Money can make money. You need to know how to buy assets. Write this down. Please write this down. Buy assets and sell liabilities. 
Now, I am not against you having some liabilities because life has to be fun, right? I have a couple of liabilities. I, have, I call them hobbies. One of my hobbies is I make electronic music. I, I make some cool jams. I'm very good. I will do your reception if you want to for your wedding. I will marry you and then I will turn that mother out. Okay, that's what I'm saying. But, but <laughs> I make music and I buy this electronic stuff. I buy these electronic music things and, uh, and they're fun. They're my hobby. I like it. It just makes me happy. But they are a total liability. So every once in a while, a new one comes out. I'm like, I got to have that. Oh, I got to have that. But I've made a contract with myself. Here's the contract I made with myself. I will not buy a new liability in music until I sell a few old liabilities in music. This is why God invented Craigslist. <laughs> it's a gold mine, man. Just put it on Craigslist, take a few pictures, and sell it to somebody. Some of you got to do this. This is, this is how young people should get started in their marriage. Those of you who are newly married, please, 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 listen. How do you shop for furniture? Craigslist. How do you shop for a car? Craigslist. How do you shop for the new dining room table? Go and take moms and have them buy a new one. Amen. They can afford it. What I'm just saying is this. That some of you think that you're supposed to have the lifestyle that your parents had two weeks after you got married, but you forget that your parents built that lifestyle for 35 years. And it's the responsibility of parents. Listen, parents, if you've got old stuff in your house, put it on Craigslist so that some new family can buy it off Craigslist off you. <laughs> That's how it's supposed to work. So that we all can grow and prosper our own life. This is not bad. This is good. Buy assets, sell liabilities. Number five, I have money right when I live financially accountable to God. All right. You don't have a choice about number five. <laughs> you have a choice about all the other points that I've made so far, but you have no choice about this one because you will be held accountable to God. And so will I. Here's what the Bible says in the parable. When he returned, verse 15, having received the kingdom, he ordered those servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. I think it's important to under, underline the word gained. God is expecting you to gain. I was taught that money was evil. No. I was taught that I was supposed to be poor to serve Jesus. No. Okay, you got to gain, and you're going to be held accountable, and God is going to see, what did you do with my money? This is serious business. This is serious business. Teach your heart that it's God's. And give your mind to saying, Lord, this is yours. Some of you got to do this when you go home. Today, open up your bank account online, because I know we all do that now. None of us really get statements anymore, right? I don't think we do. If you get statements, pull that out. And put it up on your table of all the banks and all the stuff. Put it up on your, or on your screen and look at it and start saying, this is your pile of money, God. Help me to manage it right. This is serious business. This is serious business. You say, why is this so serious? Because God knows, and you know too if you really think about it, if you let money call the shots, money will run your life into the ground. And God doesn't want that for you. 
He wants you growing and increasing and gaining financial increase so that you can be a blessing to other people around you so that you can help us build the kingdom. Can I tell you that I love the wealthy people in this church? I love the wealthy people. Love the poor people too, but I love the wealthy. How do you know who the wealthy people are? Here are the wealthy people in the church, the people who give. And they're not always the people who make the most money. They really aren't. And I'm not just talking they just give to the church. No, no, no. I'm talking about how whenever we say, oh, there's a need, they're like, I got some money for that. They like love to give. Oh, there's a family that's down, I got some money, here you go. And they just give. And, and they have no problem giving. You know why? Because they've started to do money God's way. And then when you do money God's way, you get more money. And more money, you get more power to do more good for more people because you know that God has already done you the enormous good of giving forgiveness for all your sins, washing away your bad record, giving you the righteous record of Jesus, and adopting you into his eternal family. And no man can ever pluck you out of that family. And you're empowered to do good for other people. This is a good thing. All right, number six, if you're taking notes, I remain a servant even in success. I remain a servant even in success. The first two servants come back to the master. The first one says, Lord, your mina has earned 10 more. The second one comes back and says, Lord, your mina has increased to five more. Check this out, everybody. That's a 1,000% return, and that's a 500% return. How many of us would settle for one of those? Yeah? Right? Okay. But here's my question. How would you do with that kind of a financial windfall? I just think about this. Imagine tomorrow morning you wake up and you realize that your income has increased a thousand percent. What happens to your heart in that moment? If you're not careful, you'll start thinking, hmm, I'm pretty good. Look at what I did. I'm the man. And then before you know it, you're saying, who needs God? That was the rich man's problem last week. I've done well for myself. I don't need you. See, you remain a servant in success. When those two servants who come back with their 1,000% return and 500% return come back, they say, Lord, your me. It's still yours. It's still yours. I remain a servant even in success. Some of you know this. There's only one, more, there's only one thing that's more dangerous than losing it all, and that's having it all. That's only, there's only one thing more dangerous. It's the wealth that we let trick our hearts into thinking that we're all that, and so now we don't need God. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 21. An inheritance gained, a huge inheritance or a large inheritance gained at the beginning will not be a blessing in the end. An inheritance obtained too early in life will not be a blessing in the end. Can I say something to those of you for end-of-life purposes? Some of you, your game plan for the end of your life is to give all your money to your kids. And some of you got a whole boatload of money to give to your kids. Can I tell you, you are crazy. You're nuts. You are setting your kids up to live without a need to trust in God or work or strive or produce and learn the value of hard work and dedication and trusting God with their finances. I mean, you need to rewrite your will and tell your kids you're doing it. I'm not saying give them nothing. Give them a little. Give some to the kingdom. Find other things you can give the money to. 
Start investing, not just how you have your money, but how you leave your money. This is like, this is so important because you have a responsibility, not just to how you handle it while you have it, but how you handle it when you send it on away. Number seven, finally, I have number, money right when, number seven, I remember that God rewards resourcefulness. God rewards, that's what this whole message has been about, resourcefulness, buying assets and selling liabilities, not going into debt, giving, saving, then living. This is all about resourcefulness so that you learn how to manage and produce and become more resourceful. So the, first, so the third servant comes and says, Lord, here's your one mina. I hid it away in a handkerchief. And that's another way of saying I was just really careless with it. I didn't really care. I knew you were a b- bad man. I knew you took, you, 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 you take, you, depo- you, you reap from things that you did not sow into. And he just has this horrible view of God. And let me just say that some of you, that's, that's for some of you today, you just have this idea that God is out to get you, take from you, doesn't want, you know, just wants to, you know, be a miser towards you. And if that's your spirit, if that's your attitude, can I tell you, you're going to get exactly what you believe. That's what this guy did. You got to know that God is good. God is good. So guess what happens? He says to the servants, he says, all right, take the one from him and give it to the one who has 10. Okay, Jesus is not a socialist. Take the one, the guy who has one, and give it to the one who has 10. And all the guys are like, wait a second, he already has enough. And, and, and some of us say, that does not seem fair. Okay, here's what you need to see. Here's what we need to see. God is so absolutely committed to making sure his resources produce. He will find people who will produce them, and he'll give them more resources. Every, I said this last weekend, I'll say it again, and I'll end the message with this. Every week you get paid, or every month, or every other week, whenever you get paid, Guess what God has just said to you? I'm trusting you. And if you do it my way, I'm watching, and I'm going to give you more. And we're going to continue to talk about what that looks like in this series. But it's time for some of you to stop letting money have you and start learning how to have money so that you can be generous, so that you can be godly, so that you can live a righteous life that your kids will follow after and they'll say, this is how dad and mom did it. I'm gonna do it too. And together, corporately, we can build the kingdom of God until Jesus comes again. Amen. Would you stand with me? Father, I pray that these words will just sink into the soil of our heart, that we will remember that you, Lord Jesus, did not spare your own blood for us, but you gave up all to save us and to make us your children. Lord, some people here are so adept at what I've been talking about, I just pray, God, you will reinforce it in their hearts and in their minds that they will continue to manage your money well. But Lord, there are some people here, all this stuff is new to them. Some of it's new, maybe half of it, maybe most of it, I don't know, but they need help. And I pray that they will start taking the steps in their life to doing money the way you want them to do money, to understand it's all from you, to, to, to escape the allure of the immediate. Father, to start learning how to make money work, to start being different and being different on purpose than all their neighbors and all their friends and all their relatives, that they will take pride in knowing that, God, this is your resource 
and you have chosen to trust us. And Lord, they will listen not to the voice of this world and this culture and even this country, and they will put their trust in your eternal, unchanging, empowering word. And they will prosper in the goodness of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.